It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, with my man Rick Broering. Each week we do a bunch of local topics. We do some gambling. We do some ghost stories. We do some national topics du jour. I think we might have all of those in today's podcast. I don't know because I barely see the topics. Rick just, he dribbles them out to me like in drips and drabs. I can read maybe one ahead, but once we start the podcast, I don't know where we're going. I don't, we, I don't know the direction. We have three-hour planning meetings before this podcast starts. You have You're them. in the room. You it's have It's a writing them. room that we have. They pitch us ideas. We okay them. I'd like to know who they are. The the writers. Them. Our the, show's yeah, writers. writers. Our show's writers. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, since they've written something, apparently, you will read the first topic. Hand it off. All right, Skinny. FC Cincinnati fell in their inaugural MLS game 4-1 to to Seattle Sounders FC at CenturyLink Field on Saturday night. Leonardo Bertoni netted the first goal of the game on a missile off of a volley that was perfectly placed in the corner of the goal. There's no doubt somebody wrote this. Go ahead. But that was it for the blue and orange as Seattle responded with four unanswered goals. My question for you is this, Skinny. Will you watch more FC Cincinnati this season versus previous years due to a higher level of soccer? Well, and I, I don't mean to besmirch the fan base. If I watched it all, it would be more than what I've watched the last few years. <laughs> well, that's fair, I so just, will I'm, you? I'm just saying. Um, it maybe. Maybe. The thing is, well, I, I know you you won't, you appreciate higher level soccer. That's the thing about you. That I actually don't, don't mind covering high school soccer. I never minded that. I don't know why I never minded that. So I'm just I'm not a soccer guy. I mean, if soccer's your thing, man, enjoy it. Yep. Just don't throw it down my throat and make me enjoy it because I just don't. I can't. I have a hard time enjoying it. Um, I wish them well. I wish the fan base well. The the funny thing though to this question is, I do wonder how much fans really will monitor and or care wins and losses, not just this year. Because, I mean, for any expansion team in any sport, right, winning and losing is hard other than whatever Las Vegas did in hockey two years ago um, to win the Stanley last year to win the Stanley Cup, which is insane to think an expansion team can do that. Um, but I think that's the litmus test here, right? I, it's still a thing to do. And that's why season tickets are going so well. Is it's still a thing to do. And this is a great soccer community. It has been for a long, long time. Everybody looks and thinks, oh, whoa, they, they kind of struck. No, this has always been. It's been a great youth soccer area. It's been a great high school soccer area. It's been a great college soccer area. NKU's had great soccer programs under our guy John Basiliga. And I covered them in a championship game and really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the players. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed the coach. Um, I'm just not a soccer guy. And it's just it would take a lot for me to even watch. And I just wonder moving forward, Will even the fan base care about wins and losses? Not just this year. This year's a wash in that regard. But in year two, three, four, five, is that what's going to continue to drive season ticket base? Or is it still going to be, man, it's once a week. It's cheap enough. The stadium's cool. Kids friendly. Um, you know, you can socialize because there's there's not a lot of action. And I don't mean that in a bad way. There, I mean, there really isn't. You can socialize a bunch during the course of a game. You don't have to go, oh, I just missed that guy hitting the ball in the ballpark, or I just missed that touchdown pass, well, well, or I just well, missed well, that three-point goal. Hold on now. There's a lot of downtime in baseball. Ba- baseball is there is right a lot, there. There is a, there's a lot of downtime in baseball. <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will give you that's that, That's fair. Um, but, well, no, no. But I think for the for the, for the the those that are the soccer fan, will it matter to you? Not you, you. I'm talking about the soccer fan out there. Will it matter to you whether this team wins or loses on a grand scale? I just don't know if it will. I, I don't know if that's a bad thing if it doesn't, though. No, if they no, st- no. If they're able to draw 20,000 right. season, right. season ticket holders without winning, that's going to be pretty a pretty good business. Correct. Now, now I, I'm skeptical if that's the case. I think you will have to win. From my perspective, personally, I tried to get into this thing when it all started. I'm not against soccer. I kind of either. enjoy it, and I like going to the games enough. It is a it is a fun entertainment deal on the weekend. I couldn't get into it at a minor league level at all. I tried, really? and it, I just, I just see it's like the Cyclones for me. I don't I, I don't mind a Cyclones game. I can do a Cyclones game, and it won't make me yeah, go. But man, that level sucks. I can do a Florence Freedom game and go. And not think, well, that level it's not, sucks. It's not because of the level of play. That's not what bothers me. But it's just that it's not real. It was like when I was following NKU when they were Division Two. It felt a lot the same way. Where it's like just no one else in the world cares because it's not the professional sport. It's not the highest level. It's not what everyone else is playing at. You're not playing for the real championship. But, but the you know hunt, what I'm saying? But the Hunt Cup run, and maybe that's what did it. Maybe that's what captured everybody was that run to make it go... 
ooh, this is real, and they're going to go to the big league here soon? And that was the first time where it kind of felt fun because it was like, that's on ESPN, and they're talking about it, and they're playing MLS teams that actually matter. That That is a difference for me, I think. And I do think I will be more interested in them and following them and seeing what they do. The one thing I do like about soccer and following a soccer team in this town is I'm not all ate up with it. I'm not all caught up in it. So it's really easy for me to be touched. Hey, great. They won or they're competing. It's fun. I know it's being a fair weather fan, quote unquote, but that's kind of nice when you're invested in other sports and you're really, you know, like you you had teams that have kind of been hard to watch for so long. Then that season so overlaps, right? I mean, it's starting at the end of what is college basketball's biggest time of the year into the start of baseball, which in this town still is revered at least at the start, and it eventually winds up at the start of football. I mean, it overlaps so many sports seasons that that's where I wonder: can you sustain that? Does it feel is it is it too long almost? It, it may, and then we'll see. I, I don't. I can't speak for what the Cincinnati soccer community is going to do as a whole with this team and their support of it. That they've surprised me at every turn so every far turn. with the way they've supported season this team. ticket sales are out through the roof. So I'm not going to pretend to know that I, or act like I have the pulse on the soccer community because I clearly don't. I'm just saying from my perspective, I do think it'll be like if if they're making a run, if they're having a good year and it's getting down towards the the postseason, you'll bra- drag the casual fan in. I, I think I will be that okay. casual fan that All gets right. dragged in. I think I'll go to an extra game or two. Um, I will watch them if they're on TV and they're in a, in a postseason race. I think because it's the real thing. It's it'll be talked about nationally, not just here in a minor league way. And I, to me, that matters. It, it becomes part of a conversation at that point, and that interests me. All right, I think part of the issue, though, is not enough fans are going to know who players are, not only on this team, but across the league. I do think that's always an issue. Um, I couldn't name you off the top of my head five other teams in the league, and the MLS has been around for a long time. I really couldn't. I probably could if you put a gun to my head, but I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that I can, I, and part of it is it's just not... It's, I'm, I'm probably a bad demographic. I really yeah. am. I'm, 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 I don't I'm think- the OG who has followed the main three... Uh, professional sports and college basketball and yeah. college football. That, that That's my Honestly, if you threw me another sport, I grew up as a bowler, so bow, I'd follow bowling, and I love golf because my kids played golf. I literally will watch the final round of just about any golf tournament these days. So I'm probably completely the wrong demographic for this. I, I just want to make sure. I'm not crazy. Look, if you're a fan of that, go for it. I just don't. And I don't think they've done it in this town. It used to be in my talk radio days, I'd get soccer crammed down my throat. You got to like it. No, I don't. I don't have to like anything, and you don't have to like me not liking it either, but... I don't have to like it. And I don't get that sense from Cincinnati either. right no, now. No, I don't I think either. we've handled this I think we have to. Well no, I agree, I agree with it's that. It's been a very mature yeah. thing. There are real soccer fans here that are really into it. They know the stats. They understand what's going on in the field. They know the players. And I think the people like me go, okay, that's your thing, man. Go do it. Right. And from my perspective, like, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm looking forward to the point where we have a little more um, – X and O type of coverage of these teams because we're we're getting to that point now where it's no longer just like look at this cool story of FC right. Cincinnati look at all the support and look they're at going the to MLS this, and this <laughs> inaugural that and this inaugural this and they're building this and now there's a fight with the, the, the city hall and all this stuff we're we're finally past that to where it's going to be about the soccer and I'm like kind of interested to know like okay I know what the different formations are when you put them on the screen but what does that actually mean and how do you attack that and and what do these different players strengths mean for the team and how do you try to uh, manipulate that roster going forward to to put you at an advantage at the MLS level so I'm interested to learn some of that well and I will I will pimp our guy Clayton Castle here at local12.com he's uh, one of the digital team but he's also going to take on the role of covering FC Cincinnati a little bit more he he's doing some things after games and kind of leading up to games uh, to preview and and kind of review and I had to edit his piece on Sunday morning early and I've actually learned a couple things I went oh okay I didn't I didn't watch the game a but what I read, I went, okay, and he did. I thought he did a really good job. So, you know, guys like him, hopefully, will will do that for the fan base. And I and I hope it. I, again, I I don't want this to fail. I, I don't. I think anytime you have that happen, whatever other entity comes into town, you think it's going to fail. You know, it's going to fail. And uh, I I don't want that. I want this to succeed. I want them all to succeed in some way, shape, or form. So I root for him. I just boy, it just. It was not on my bucket list. Now, Saturday night, I had something else to do. I was coaching a basketball game and, and, and whatnot. So, FC Cincinnati's 10 o'clock start was not on my radar. But I'm not even sure it would have been if I hadn't been doing something else. I really don't. I, that's terrible to say. And I didn't watch it either. Okay. You know, I mean, All so, right. like, I mean, I'm saying I'm somewhat interested, but I didn't watch it either. And and I kind of love that about 
soccer right now is that you I don't peek in, peek out, stick right. ahead in, and, stick ahead out. And if they win, it's like, oh, that's cool. Yep. If they lose, it's like, eh, I don't really care. I'm, yeah. I'm not emotionally invested right. in it at this point. Lastly, before we move to the next topic, is there a time frame for when they need to win? And I'm not talking about winning an MLS Cup. I'm talking about just winning at a sustained level, being a perennial playoff team or or, or, a, or a playoff contender. Is that three years, five years, longer, shorter? Is there even a thumb that you can put on it? I have no clue. Okay. I, I really either. have no clue because I think there's still a little bit of a question that you brought up. I do think there are diehard, legitimate soccer fans. No doubt. But do I think there are necessarily 20,000 season ticket holders who all care about soccer? Or do I think some of them think it's a good family-friendly event that you it's easy to plan your weekend around? And when does that they, peter they like out? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if that does. Maybe it doesn't. That maybe. might be a great thing for, for their business model is that maybe they'll always have a segment that just thinks this is a great entertainment opportunity on the weekend with the family and so maybe they'll always have a little bit of a, a fan it's it's not the nfl it is the anti-nfl in terms no of like taking your family to an event and i think it really has that going for it wait till we have soccer hooligans in cincinnati what, do it does it get to that point because right know. now it's the exact opposite it's the of exact that. opposite of that. it is very much a fa- family friendly event yeah i don't want soccer hooligans here i don't Think it's we trending because we have NFL hooligans everywhere. Yeah, I don't think it's trending that way. I at don't least either. Not yet in our city. At least not yet in our city. I'll give you that part. All right, Skinny Xavier lost seventy-one sixty-six Tuesday night at Henkel Fieldhouse, snapping the Musketeers' five-game winning streak. Actually, wraps up its regular season on Saturday at home against St. John's. But I got to ask you this first: Did Tuesday night's loss at Butler end Xavier's chances of earning an at-large bid on Selection Sunday? I don't think end. But I do think there the fumes are there, right? I mean, not, you absolutely have to win the last game, and you now have to definitively get to the championship game. And to get there, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, you would know it better than I would. This would probably drop them what in the four, five seed range right now, and and it's still a jumbled mess in that. In yeah, that, it could even be this what six, seven seed range. You would maybe have to, well, you would have to at least get a scalp of Marquette or Villanova, however that would shake out with who you would play in a semifinal matchup and maybe then get one more. I, I think it will be very, very difficult. I held out hope. Um, you know, I keep looking at the, that end of the bubble, and, and I still don't see how they didn't fit going into tonight. But if they didn't fit going into tonight, how do they fit coming out of tonight, right? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, they really had to play their way into the And they bubble. were coming close. They were going to be in the conversation if they won out and during the regular season. Yes. They were definitely in the conversation going into the Big East tournament. Because you then, believe, we talked about this Sunday on the Sunday College Basketball Podcast, you believe St. John's is in, as do I. Yes. If you sweep them and you had won at Butler and it had been seven straight wins going into the Big East tournament, you're definitively in the conversation at that point. In the conversation, but I don't think you were definitively in the no, tournament agree. at I that agree. point. I even. agree. So you still had some work to do with this loss. It definitely becomes, okay, you got to win at St. John's. You got to make the finals. And then maybe you're in the conversation if you get help, if there's no bid thieves. Maybe. Well, and if you get another quadrant one win Yeah, yeah you need way. a quadrant one and a neutral. And how much do they factor all of that in once right. it's in the you know the conference tournaments or how much of it is already and set? And then you need a lot of things to shake down. I mean, you can't have a wacky SEC winner, right? You right. can't. Well, well Pac-12, Pac-12 is probably the I most mean, dangerous. Right, because there's really only one bid maximum of two of Arizona State is a second bid with Washington's definitively a, a bid. But then some of those leagues with the Lipscombs and the Woffords, you can't have suddenly they play their way into the at-large pool. You can't have right. any of that. And let's face but, it, that's usually not realistic to think that n- none of that's going to happen. Right, but I mean... SEC, ACC, Big Ten, you have a, a really deep conferences where there could be a team that's right now outside the bubble that ends up winning their conference tournament. The, it the, could happen. The funny part is those, those conferences are so deep, though, that you can go seven or eight deep, and, and that's an at-large team that you don't think much of and go, well, yeah, they probably win the, the league tournament. Yeah. It feels like somebody in that probably group is going to win a league t- league tournament. I'm, just, I'm talking about some of those... Those outside leagues well, to me. But you're right. I mean, it could be a I, wacky team that, that wins the Big Ten or the, or the Pac-12. That's what I'm saying. It, the Pac-12 is the best example to me. Pac-12 is the, the most likely, yes. I think, for it to happen. But, I mean, would I be completely shocked if Northwestern ended up winning the Big Ten? Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, would I wouldn't. I think they're trash. They're top 75 know, in Ken Palm. We are going through it but again, I'm just I'm eyeball, I'm eyeball testing it as trash. I, I understand why you say that because their conference is very difficult and they're not winning games. But... I, They're I don't, losing games at a maximum level, basically. I don't I, straight. I don't expect them to make a run and win, but th- there are teams at the end of these power conferences that are good enough to do so. To and win a game, win a game a or two, not win the whole thing. 
We'll see. Because, yeah, not win a whole thing. We'll I, see. Okay. There are some teams at the bottom of the ACC and SEC and, and Big Ten that could do it. I'm telling you, if they I'm get hot. After watching Wake Forest on Tuesday night, they're the ACC champion. Had a shot rim out at the buzzer. That's a good point against Duke. In Cameron Indoor. We're talking neutral for them. But they're not winning it. To get, to get back to the original yes, question, I do think Xavier is probably yeah. out of the picture I, I was unless the one, they win the Big East tournament. Now. I was the one beating the drum for them being in the conversation. Yeah. And I was probably beating it too loudly because I, I just started looking and going, well, how is this team definitively better than Xavier? Well, now you, you really you had to separate yourself or at least put yourself further ahead. And this doesn't put you further behind. It just doesn't move you up the ladder. And it's a long ladder to climb. Yes, it is. And Skinny, let's stay on the topic of college basketball. Our Sunday night college basketball podcast got into a discussion that has stirred some conversation online about the NCAA tournament bubble. Indiana has pretty much become the poster team of Garbage. this year's bubble. The Hoosiers have a bizarre resume with a record that sits at just one game above 500 overall Garbage. and six games below in conference play, but they have six quadrant one wins and zero bad losses. It's been a constant refrain that this bubble is awful, the worst ever, terrible, what, what have you. My question is, do you believe the bubble this year is really that bad, or do we have to change how we look at win-loss records based on recent trends? Because it seems like every year now we're saying, this is the worst bubble ever, and this bubble is bad. That's a fair question, because win-loss records are not equal, right? They're not even close to equal. It doesn't matter how you look at them. Nor should they be, based on the way the conferences are. Nor should they be. I'm just an eyeball guy to some degree, and and that's not a good way to do it, because you need to have metrics, and I'm, I'm okay with metrics, too. But Indiana is not an NCAA tournament. They don't look the part. They just don't on a consistent basis. I'm going to question your eyes then. On a consistent basis. They just don't pass my eyeball test. I'd love to. They have a dude in Romeo Langford, and they don't win enough games. I think you're getting fooled. Okay. I mean, you you, lost 14 games. Did you watch Ole Miss LSU this weekend? I did. And you didn't think that looked like an NCAA tournament game? No question. Ole Miss is pretty good. Ole Miss is better than Indiana. Okay, but the, we're, the, this is what I'm talking about. Those are the teams that are on the bubbles. Those are the teams that Indiana's vying with. Those are the teams with the similar metrics and when you're looking was, at efficiencies. That, okay, that game was at Ole Miss. The Indiana went over Michigan State, and they did sweep them. Was, I, I, won I both places. Right. I, I can't discount the fact that they beat them at both places. But They've got but six you, but quadrant you, one right, wins. But you also can't discount the fact that you continue to lose games in that league. I don't think anyone's discounting it. I mean, if that's why they're on look, the bubble. Dude, if you're playing, if anyone, hold on, hold on, okay. for a second, right. let's just talk about Indiana. Okay. Let's stay on that topic. Garbage. It, that's fine. But if if anyone else in the country has six quadrant one wins, mm-hmm. they are nowhere near the bubble. They're in a top five seed, right? So Indiana has that part of the resume that would normally be like a top five seeds resume. They have all these losses to go with it. That's dragged them down to the bubble. That doesn't make them a terrible team, and they are being penalized for losing games. You guys are acting like they're skating. All right. They're not skating on the losses. They have six quadrant one wins to go with the losses. The losses are dragging them to the bubble. Otherwise, they'd be way above it. So that They have zero that bad losses. It's a zero. team that's not consistent enough to win 50-50 games. But I don't know if they're supposed to win their conference. I think a bubble team can go under. I'm not talking about under, their conference. I'm talking that's about where they're losing all those games. They don't have a, a bad loss. a lot lo- of them, but, bro. But they didn't have a bad loss outside the conference. Go back and because look at their Because you're not schedule. in that league other than... Well, I'm saying uh, outside their conference. They're non-conference. They didn't have a single bad out. loss. But even inside the conference, though. Based on, on, on net or Ken Palm, however you want to do it. Who's the worst team in the conference, probably? Northwestern. Northwestern. Okay. And and I they don't pass the eyeball test to me either. So so some of it I That's go fine, but all the metrics I, we use right. to judge everyone they are in. I question the metrics then maybe. Uh, I and that's mean, probably not the right way to go. I'm not telling you I'm right on that, Rick. I'm just telling you. But then Indiana what, to me looks like an NIT level team at best. Okay, then then let's get off Indiana. Let's take Indiana out of the equation completely. Then I'd to, love to do. You know, explain to me how and you and I can't do it today, and maybe we'll do it the next podcast because we have time for selection Sunday. And my friend and I used to do this with each other all the time. Do, do I'll do six. You do six. Give me six blind teams. Give me resumes for those six blind teams. We'll do quad one wins. We'll do record. Here, here's the thing. I don't think that will work. I okay, don't think that will but, change the conversation. And let me tell you why. All right. Because people still get bothered by the wins and losses. You're bothered by I it. I am. Chad was bothered by it the other night. What I'm trying to explain to you guys is that it is illogical to think that for the past five years, which is really how long we've been hearing every year that the bubble is the worst ever because we've been letting teams in with 
14 losses, sure. and now all of a sudden 15 losses the last two years. And we seem like we're changing the metrics as we go too, right? We should be. We absolutely okay. should be changing right. the metrics. We've got better think, information but, than we used but to. But maybe that's where we have a hard time putting our, putting, and myself included, putting my hands around it because I, I, I don't I know what, think what metric that's works, what the metric's case. accurate, what metric's the right one. I th- I'm not even sure the NCAA knows because they came up with their goofy formula that we really still don't know what goes on under the net. We don't. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, it's not bothering me because it's coming out pretty similar to Ken Palm. Okay. I mean, which is what we wanted was more um, predictive, if, if, yeah, efficiency sure. statistics and measuring how good you are. And and you know, you, you losing to a team by thirty or two shouldn't mean the same thing. No, like I agree it does with an that. RPI. I agree with that. You should be based on that. And that's the whole story with Indiana, right? Like a bubble level team playing in the current SEC or playing in the current Big Ten this season probably could lose a lot of games and still be a bubble team. Okay. You think the Big Ten's good? I'm not going to tell you they're not. It's It's loaded. Okay, hear me out. All right. I'm not asking you to go do what Michigan State's about to do and maybe go 16-4 and in that league. I'm just asking you to win at least as many as you lose. Do that. If you're good enough on a consistent basis, you can't go, hey, well, we got a handful of really good wins, but, man, we just can't win enough games. You still got to win games. I mean, you got to win games, man. What? Where would Ole Miss finish in the AAC this year? In the AAC? Yeah, they'd be the third, second, or third best team. I'm not. Okay. I'm not telling you that. Where, and that's the same thing with Indiana. Uh, right. That's like I, the same situation right there. And, if they and that's were in about those where we are in the AAC. There were three teams, right? No, four. Two, two, well, four and, and, and maybe, a fifth on the bubble. Maybe Temple. Maybe Temple. No, they're going to get four in, and and they'll have a Defin- fifth on the I think, bubble. I think they'll definitely have three. UCF. I think they'll definitely get four. UC and and Houston. And, yeah. And Temple would be the fourth. I know on our, our. You think Memphis is the fifth? I think they're going to be on the outside of the bubble, but they're on the bubble for sure. Yeah, they're the scary team that because it's at home could win their league tournament right. too, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and this on our Sunday podcast, it you know with, with Chad Brendel, it obviously turns into an AAC, or it starts getting construed into other weird things about the bees. I'm not against the AAC. In fact, their teams, them putting four teams in the tournament, makes my point for me. The bubble is good this year. Look at the teams that we have from the AAC that Chad's all year been talking about how much better the AAC is this year, and rightfully so, because it does have more top 100 teams in Ken Palm, not the 10 that he suggested. It has six, but that that makes for a better I, I, bubble, I, I, let me just not say, a worse he, bubble. Here's what I would say, though, I, and maybe this is going to fly in the face of what I've been talking about. Maybe we just need to go straight down the list metrically and say, here's the rating system. The automatic bids are here. We take them out. We're taking the next whatever teams down to where the metric level cuts off and the teams below the metric level figure it out next year. But that's the metric going forward. As opposed to we're going we're gonna to find out and look at a team going, wait a minute, their metrics are a little bit behind their metrics, yet they use that metric to trump that metric. Why is that the right way to go? And they've always done it because it's... it's- I know, and that bothers me. I guess I'd like a more clear-cut definition. What, what it's going to do, and it's going to piss me off, because I 68 is a saturation point for me, right? It just is. It, it, we, you, you're not going to have a 60, well, and that, and I got a 58 through 68th at-large team make it make a sustained run to a championship. Maybe a run to a Sweet 16. Maybe a run to an Elite Eight. Maybe in a lucky year you get a run to a Final Four. Maybe, um, but I think what it's going to do is. We've got now that bubble so bloated that you're going to get it. You're going to get another. You're going to go to 96. Expanding to 68 is another part of the reason we keep saying the bubble is so bad effort. Well, part of that was because you have more automatic bids too. That that kind of led to that well, whole process. To yeah, get to but 68. Add, adding in those extra, those like play-in games where you get an extra couple 12 seeds in, I think that it turned people off and started adding to the right, bubble is bad right. conversation. But. Just from this perspective, let's think about this logically. And I know you said it doesn't pass your eye test. I, I think that's kind of crazy. It's it's ridiculous to think that this sport has been on a downward spiral for five straight years and is going to continue that trend if you really think that because you're probably basing on win-loss record and they're going to continue to let more teams with more losses get into the tournament because these conferences are going to continue to, to expand. expand. no doubt. So there will be more teams that are in power conferences with with a lot of losses, right. but a great resume that'll get in the tournament and will continue to say, the bubble's terrible. It's so bad. This is the worst bubble ever. That's stupid. It's lazy to keep saying it. So we've it, got to start looking at this differently. Right. So how differently do we look at it? Do we, do we get to the point where we what cut out the Summit right League now. and the Horizon League and the Southland and the Southern? No, and, I don't think that's happening. I don't look, want that uh, to happen. Buffalo, dude, Wofford, dude, you're getting Lipscomb. I don't want that to happen. I know, but I don't think it is. People keep acting like this is dividing the, the this is like a power league play. It's not. Look at the AAC. They're getting more in Dude, this year. If you, if you put any SWAC team in any league, any league in this country, they don't win a game. Right. 
Right. Do I, they deserve a bid? No. What? Wait. What? No. 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 My, no. Point is, are we getting to the point eventually where you start cutting out automatic bids for some of these lesser leagues? Oh, you're saying you should cut out the automatic bid? I'm not I don't you like should. that. I'm just asking you: Is that what we're going to go? No, to? No. I hope not. I hope they never do that. I hope they never do that. I either. love. I love that part of the NCAA tournament. I think that's because everybody best. assumes when you hear 68, it's best 68. It's not best 68. No. And that's never been the goal. No, but people think it is. Um, I. Th- People I think, think it is. Well, I think they say that and they don't really okay. mean 68. I think they mean best teams at large. Okay. You know, outside the outside the automatic bids. When they say 68, I don't think they mean all 68 are going to be the best teams. I think they understand the automatic bids. But we're getting way off the point here. No, I, you're, you're, you're right. Go ahead. Uh, to, get, to sum this all, whole thing up, my only thing is just that I, I think we need to look at at how we're doing this again. And, and and I think the NCAA tournament committee has. I think they've got it right. Like the people that are doing bracketology right now and have the bubble the way it is and Indiana being squarely on that bubble, either first last four in or first, first four, four out, out right. seems dead on accurate to me. It seems what like and, and Indiana gets people all bothered because it's such a polarizing resume. But take any of the other teams on the bubble. My only point is these teams aren't terrible. They're not all bad. We keep saying this, and it's just wrong. Like, I watched that LSU-Mississippi game on Saturday. That was a hell of a game. Or Alabama game. Alabama, I'm sorry. Yeah, LSU-Alabama game. LSU-Ole Miss was earlier in the week. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alabama's on the bubble. Alabama's a, a team. Square. A square on the bubble. That's You're telling me that's a team that stinks? They're terrible? I no. Think they're, I think they're eh. I think they're eh. But you just watched them play a legit tournament team, and it looked like a Sweet 16-type game. It was it high action, high-level basketball. Where, where was that game played? In Alabama. Well, that's that's part of it, but too. But it's going to be on a neutral. Like, what's the... They're playing good basketball. I don't understand. Here's the thing. If, if, you, are, if you are an NCAA-caliber They played team, Kentucky tough. They beat them. If, if you are an NCAA-caliber team, like you think Indiana is, and you play, what are they playing, 20, 20 Big Ten games? I'm not saying they are or not. I'm saying if they're off the bubble, that makes the bubble good. Don't you think you should at least go eight and two, seven and three at home? No, I don't. I, wow, I don't. I think. Wow, I think. I, I, I think you should. I, I, I realize you guys are very caught up in that, but my whole point is that I. Okay, say Indiana doesn't deserve to make it, which I'm fine with. If they don't make it, that's fine. I think they're in because they got six. Yeah, for those of you, know, you're, you're not an Indiana honk. You're just making that at as all example. right. I know. I, right people right. just love to talk about right. Indiana, and I think it's a good talking point because they're the easiest one to look sure. at because their resume is so ridiculous. So wacky. Yes, but. My only point is, if Indiana doesn't get in with six quadrant one wins, that makes this bubble really good. We'll, we've never had a bubble where a team with six quadrant one wins didn't get in the tournament. That lose, makes it a good bubble. Lose fourteen games, your bubble goes. Fine, I'm fine if that happens. And they're going to lose another. They're going to at least lose another game along the way. Yes, they aye, will, aye, aye. and they'll be on the bubble because of that. But they'll also have six quadrant one wins. Let me just use my favorite man's phrase one more time: garbage. That's fine. I just, I, I just think sports analysts, college basketball people are being very, very lazy right now in reciting worst bubble ever. This bubble is awful. You can't say it every year. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't match the eye test with what we've seen. We've seen pretty good basketball. And maybe part of the reason that we say that and maybe the reason that because we're lazy. No, maybe it is. Is maybe it's because we all the teams are cannibalizing each other in leagues, and maybe we need to go away from that completely. Maybe you need to cap league games and say, "Hey, conferences, you ain't playing more any more than sixteen league games." Boys. Why, why can't we just be intelligent enough to say this conference is really good? You're going to lose a few more games and still be good in this conference. It's not that hard to realize. You're saying let's blow up conferences because we can't be smart enough to change what we're what no. we're thinking. They keep taking all these teams in for a money grab, and then they use. The the guys of we're just going to beat each other up and if we can get a big win outside the league that's going to make the league better but yeah but this year lipscomb buffalo like all these they're, wofford they're playing their way in because these other teams are getting lost piling I, up losses and i hope they that's do that's giving them an opportunity and, that, and that's what i would like to see that I, if, okay it's giving the american an opportunity because teams that, have a lot no of that's a great point i if they get that opportunity, if, if Lipscomb doesn't win their league or Wofford doesn't win their league, and they are at large ahead of some of these teams, I'll go, okay, you got it right. I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. Okay, but th- but again, that all goes back to my whole point of this is not a major versus mid-major thing. This is The bubble is not bad. That's my only point. Okay. The bubble isn't bad. There are good teams at the mid-major level, the high-major level, and everywhere in between I, right now. Let's go with this, the last point. It, it, I would say this. If you don't want to be on the bubble, get your ass off of it. Play yes. your way off of it. Right. Okay. We'll leave it I'm not. I'm not debating who that. should be in the tournament. I didn't say. I'm you saying are. the bubble is good. I didn't it's say. Not, it. Actually, it's not good. It is not good. The 
the overall quality of the bubble is not good this year. I don't think the teams are great. I just think there are a ton of teams right at the cut There line. are a ton of teams. And so to me, that means it's a deep year. There's a lot of teams that are okay. Not great. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, Skinny. The Reds are off to a 3-6 start in spring training. Phillip Irvin is putting up big numbers so far. Are you doing all the split squad games? Do you know all the records of the split squad games? I That's factored in here, okay, I'm sure. Jose, it's in uh, the advanced metrics. Right, good deal. They'll probably be in at large bid. Yeah, probably. They're in the net. Ho- Jose Peraza and Nixon Zell are both getting on base like crazy, making lots of solid contact. Matt Kemp is driving the ball well. So let me ask you this. Do you put any stock in a spring training numbers at all? Do you care if a guy is mashing or isn't hitting? Do you care if a starting pitcher is locked in like Tanner Roark has been? Does any of that matter? It does and it doesn't because you've seen guys that hit 444 in spring training. I use my favorite example is a guy named Gary Scott, who was a third base prospect for the Cubs, and he was a high level. He was like Nick Senzel back in the day. And back in my fantasy baseball playing days, I thought, man, I'm going to be smart because I'm going to draft Gary Scott early because he is the man. He's tearing it up in spring training. He was a man in AAA, got off to a great great start. Go do me a favor at some point in the next day or so. Look up Gary Scott on Baseball Reference and see how that worked out for Gary Scott's career. It didn't work out so well. I I think some of it is I'd like guys to be locked in closer to the the season starting um, than they are now. You know, it's better for Nick Senzel to be hitting than not be hitting, right? It's good to see Jose Peraza who – had a sneaky, nice offensive year last year, kind of carried over to spring training where you think, all right, another year older, another year stronger, another year of confidence. Pick that, pick those things up. Same time, if Joey Votto was one, and he's probably a bad example because he's not coming off a great year. If Eugenio Suarez was one for 30 in the first three weeks of spring training, I go, yeah, and it doesn't matter to me. Um, flip side is, you know, you look at some of those young pitchers and you go, boy, if those guys are off to pitching well in spring, hopefully that carry. Well, sometimes it, it doesn't. And that's where I, I, I'm not even sure there's a metric in spring training you can use to, to, to definitively know. I, I just think for some young, like a Senzel, watching a couple swings that we've had on highlights on Local 12 and a couple things I've seen from, from games I've, I've gleaned at, he does seem to be swinging the bat well, not just getting hits, but driving at the opposite field, getting on base, all those things. That, to me, is, is a sign that, okay, that, that's good. But the numbers, uh, numbers never matter in spring training. Who, who led baseball hitters in spring training home runs last year? Yeah, got me. Okay, who's the win? Who who had the most wins? Uh, probably. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, know. does it matter to you? No, not at all. Um, but I think you're right in that. Like, we can see a few things, right? Like, if a guy makes a highlight play, like he makes an incredible catch or he hits a ball 500 feet, you can see, like, hey, that guy's got potential. So that that stuff can be exciting for fans. I get why uh, people would be interested in it. I also think it matters that you play. In spring training. Yes. Like, I don't want yes, a guy a to call. miss all of it right. and then just be trying to get back into the rhythm the first five weeks of three the weeks season. Of April, right. And then all of a sudden, your whole season's maybe thrown off a little bit. I do think that can throw guys off. So I, I just want to see that you're playing, you're healthy, you, you look good. You don't have to put up numbers at all. Some of these guys are working on stuff, and some of the guys you're playing against are working on stuff. So as a pitcher, you may think, or as a hitter, you may be like, man, I, I crushed it today. Well, that guy was working on one pitch. He's throwing, you know? ni- he's yeah. throwing 92% fastball. He, he, th- he threw you the same pitch 17 times or something, you know? So, I mean, that uh, that doesn't mean anything to me at all in terms of what stats you put up. I wouldn't get excited about, oh, look at the Reds' offense and what they're doing. I wouldn't get excited about, oh, Tanner Roark could be an ace this year because he looks good over the first couple yeah, of spring I training see, Yeah, I want to see Sonny Gray pitch, right? He pitched batting practice as we're doing this podcast. He did pitch batting practice. Apparently came out of it pretty good through 26 pitches. Okay, now I want to see him at least get in a game. And I don't need to see him overpower people. I don't even need to see him get every batter out. I just want to see, all right, does he pitch without discomfort? Does he get into a rhythm? Next start, does he build on that? Start after that, does he build on that? Is he making forward momentum going into to the regular season? I'm with you. That that to me is the biggest thing. I want to see guys just show me what, 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 that they are available and healthy and ready to play and are playing. Yeah, look healthy, look in shape, th- those types of things. That's really all I care about Agreed. when you're at Agreed. spring training. All right, Skinny, let's take a look at our college basketball lines. Starting on Saturday, 2 p.m., Florida at Kentucky. The Wildcats are favored by nine. The total in that game is 125. What do you say? Well, there's nothing like senior day at Kentucky. Well, there's nothing that used to be like senior day at Kentucky. Yeah, about back, back about that. Um, that year with Dominique Hawkins was fun. <laughs> that was that was a lot of that was a rare year in the yeah. last decade or so. Um, but it is the final home game of the regular season. This is this has been a traditional closing game, either being at Kentucky or at Florida. They seem to trade off every other year, and I think that's a good way. The league, I, the league, maybe is a little bit behind on that because it used to be the two traditional powers, and Florida not so much anymore. But I still right. like it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think Kentucky wins handily. I'll, I'll go Kentucky. Florida's not a very good offensive team. They're not a very good team right now in general either. I'll go Kentucky 76-59. Get it done handily, and it goes over the total. All right, yeah. I'm going to say 70-56, Cats win, and it goes just over that total. I I mean, I, I think Kentucky is... Uh, we well, got to send all those seniors out the right way, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you're going to be playing with so much passion no at, at home on senior day. No, no question. I mean, but seriously, this team is, is tough to beat at home in general, and I don't think this Florida team this is. This Florida team really doesn't seem very, like it has much they, of a chance. They just can't score can't against score this Kentucky all. team, especially if they're going to be on the road. They can't score against mediocre teams, let alone against Kentucky on the road. You're not scoring. Yeah, I don't see it happening. All right, Saturday at 5 p.m., St. John's at Xavier the Musketeers are favored by three now. That game has flipped around on Ken Palm since a few weeks ago. The total, 147. Skinny, what do you think about that one? Man, oh, man. St. John's is just so wacky. You, you couldn't – if you had a psychiatrist trying to pick them, you couldn't do it because you don't know what you're getting game to game. I, I, I don't put a lot of stock into the Xavier loss at Butler being, a like I said, a bad loss. I didn't think they played very well, but their defense – Kept them in it for a chunk. There were a couple of just silly shots that Butler made at times in that game. I, I'll go Xavier at home. I think Xavier Xavier takes care of business. I'll go Xavier's. I'm going to go 80-74-X. I, I do not see Xavier winning this game, although I will be interested to see what kind of attitude do these guys take after the right. Butler game. Is it Because more, all that forward momentum, right, and now suddenly the forward momentum stops. Is it more of a – Oh, now we've really got to lock in and fight for our lives to stay or alive is it, for yeah, that let's large. Just worry bit. about the Big East tournament and see what happens there. Yeah, or has it become well? There went our chance, right. and this team hasn't been great all the time at kind of rallying together and and um, putting forth a great effort when they become a little disinterested. So I could see this one getting away from them. I also think they just took it to St. John's. At St. John's, I think St. John's is the team that gives them matchup problems. They're going to play small. Well, be, he's such a good coach. I mean, he'll, he'll figure out something. <laughs> They're going to spread the floor. I mean, Xavier did a good job with them in that first game at St. John's, but they also got St. John's to miss some shots. Chris Mullen needs some makeup, by the way. Why? What's wrong with him? got all those red blotches, man. He looks like a teenager, for goodness sakes. It's got an acne breakout going on. I don't think that's very nice. Well, it just he did, did you see him in that game? I saw him. He looked weird. It just didn't look right. And I think it's too much Perrier. I think it does something to your skin. It, it, it may well. The bubbles. All that carbonation. All that carbon. Yeah. Does the bubbles bad. does something for you? Yeah. You just, just got to get regular good. water. Yeah. But I'm yeah. going to go St. John 77-73. Because you love his schematics. He'll, he'll scheme his way out of that. Yeah. He'll figure out something, Rick, because he's a good coach. Yeah. I think the Musketeers have come back down to earth a little bit. You think uh, he ever goes, goes and rubs Louis Karnaseka's head just for luck? I'd, or maybe calls him and says, can you... Do something. Can you diagram something for me, old man? I, I would tend to guess he probably doesn't know who Louis Karnaseka is. Sure he is. He's just coaching college. I, the I, leprechaun. That's exactly my point. I, Louis I would, Karnaseka. I would imagine he has no idea who he is. <laughs> I don't think Chris Mullen is the most aware guy in the world. I would hope he would be aware enough to remember his little, his little college coach. Eh, it's a long time ago, it's you know. Good, it's a good call. It's a very good call. Skinny Sunday at noon. Houston is at Cincinnati. The Bearcats are favored by one in that game. 125 the total in that game as well, just like the Kentucky game. If it's one, back the Brinks truck up and take the Bearcats, baby. At home with something on the line in all likelihood. Um, I'll go UC 70-60. Well, who are they celebrating? Justin Jennifer is a senior. Well, who else is a senior? That's a good point. It's all about who there's a Kane Brooms a senior. Who are they celebrating, right? Uh, maybe both. Yeah. Because last year, you weren't going to lose for Gary Clark. I got told that about 150 times. Correct. So Correct. You're not losing for Kane Broom. I don't think they would. And I don't think you're losing with something on the line at home. Final game of the regular season. No. Not a chance. Not a chance. I, not a chance. Don't do it. Don't be that guy. Don't I, be contrarian, Rick. I have to. I You have to be that guy. I have to be that guy. All on right, this now one. be basketball. Put, put basketball guy mode in. You really think Houston goes there and wins? Yes, and let me tell oh, you why. Wow. Let okay. me tell you why. Because I think Houston is a much better team than Cincinnati is this year, to be honest. Cincinnati oh, neutral floor, I'll give you that. If it's seven game series neutral floor, I'd give you that. Yeah, and Cincinnati has been playing with fire all year. And I don't think they're bad because of that. I don't think that's an indictment on them. But at some point you're going to get into one of these really close games that comes down to the wire, and you're not going to be the team that makes the shot. Houston is one of the teams in their conference that's actually good enough to finish off those plays against them and beat them at their game. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a scenario. Tennessee going to Kentucky, Kentucky going to Tennessee. 
It's just the perfect storm in both buildings. It's just the perfect storm in both buildings. Same thing you see going to Houston, Houston coming here. It's one of the few games, if you're UC, that you really get locked in, it, right or wrong. It's, I, it really and truly is. I totally agree. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of why they've, they've had these teams that have hung around is they just don't get as locked in as they should because it's not Houston. And, heck, UCF, I thought they were pretty locked in because UCF's pretty good. I, I just I don't see them losing at home in, in this game. I don't. Normally, I would agree with you. I've said that all year that they're not going to lose at home to these teams. I think Houston is a little bit different. I think Houston is a pretty good team. I do, too. And different from most of the other teams in their conference. If this game comes down to the wire, I think Houston ends up pulling it out. Justin Jennifer at the gun. No, I went 70-60. Houston, 60-57. Woo. And the under. Ugh, could we put a six-pack on that one, you and I, just because? Yeah, if you'd like to. I, I, by the way, I'm not like all in at being against UC I here. Or I, know trying that, to, like, I, I know that, but I like the fact we have opposite sides here, and we have reasons for that. Yeah. Do you I, want to do it as well? I'll give you, well, one point really doesn't matter. I'll give you one and a half, so it breaks the tie. I'll give you, I'll give you Houston and one and a half. Okay. Right. Yeah, let's do that. All right, six-pack of, of, our, of our choice. choice. I like yep. it. I like it. Put uh, our money where our mouth is. All right, Skinny. Let's uh, stick with college basketball again as we go around the national headlines. We've talked a lot about Duke, UK, Virginia, Gonzaga, Tennessee, teams that have been in the top five at different times this year. Heading into the home stretch and conference tournaments, though, which programs do you have your eye on that, given a decent NCAA tournament draw, could make a run to the national title? The, the team that's almost been quiet or under the radar throughout the year. I like, there's two teams I like. One is, believe it or not, Nevada. I mean, they were top five early in the year. They kind of fell off because they had a couple of bad losses. They've only lost three games. They got all those dudes back. Uh, they, they've got multiple guys that can score. And in the tournament, man, that, that's, I think that's a big, big deal. I think they can get probably, I don't have it in front of me, bracket matrix, what are they, probably a four seed, five seed? I, I want to say that's probably right. Okay, that, you don't have to look at it. That's probably about right. All right, so four seed, five seed. You think Virginia wants to face them? No. You think well, Gonzaga I don't think wants, to face, wants to face anyone? I, well, that's a good point too. They don't want to face the 16 seed for goodness <laughs> sakes. I, I do, and I don't say that just because of what they did to UC. I just think they're one of those teams that, in a tournament setting, you don't want to play them because it's almost like they play so free, freewheeling, and 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 with so much confidence that it doesn't matter to them. They're the third six seed right now. Okay, I still like it. I'm I'm still okay with it. I and you're looking. We're looking under the radar here too, right? I, I like yep. them. Texas Tech intrigues me, but I I look at any of those Big Twelve teams and I just can't get excited by any of them. I'm with you on that. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Kansas. The one team if I was going to tell you is Kansas State, just because their style of play is so different. It's very defensive oriented. I don't think you win ultimately in the tournament, but they made a hell of a run doing it last year. Now, sometimes they got a nice draw and and Kentucky kind of laid an egg to some degree in the game that they played them, they would be one. Auburn's an interesting one to me just because they, they've got enough dudes to make you, if they're on, they're as good. They can be as good. I shouldn't say they're as good. They can be as good as anybody when they're on. They would be one to me that kind of, because, again, they were up there for a while, slid backwards. They're going to probably be a 7-ish seed, 8-ish seed. Um, if you're a one seed, do you really want to see Auburn in the second round? They're the one team where they've been so disappointing all year that it's it seems ridiculous to snap. now be pumping them up. Right, but, but how many times is that? Because everybody thinks that. Well, everybody does. You're not one, but most people. The, the fluidity of a season is so weird that right. everybody hones in that the team in November is the team I remember in Feb. No, everybody's different. It's just it's seasons evolve differently. And sometimes I, fresh starts are great things for teams. And I was I was all on the Auburn train early in the year, so I'll really they've been a disappointment all year long. No doubt. Even to this point they've been a disappointment. But you look at I think they're, they're still twenty and nine now. Yeah. And I'm I'm agreeing with you. Like the way they play, where they're going to run up and down. I'd like if they'd ever get stops when it mattered. That'd be nice because they just don't but in the ever lock in. Sometimes you don't even need to get stops. Teams are so tight that they just shoot themselves out of well, things. Well, and Auburn, they're not tight. They're just right. running and jacking threes. And that's non-stop. like Nevada. They're not tight. There's you down get 22, hot. We're good. You get hot. They can come on one of those miraculous runs and beat you. And yeah, I would not want to face Auburn because they're never out of the game. No, never agreed. out of the game. All right, who do you got? So I've got two teams. One's a little more, uh, we've already talked about them, LSU, a little more at the top. Like, they're, I think, a legit contender. Right, what are they, you got bracket matrix? What, are, yeah. they, are they a three? They, they're the top three seed right now. Man, it, it's funny. They've beaten Kentucky at Kentucky. They've beaten Tennessee. They, their record's very, really good. I don't have all their quad one wins in front of me, all those things. 
How do not, they not, if they win the SEC tournament and or regular season and or both, and I know that they'll, the, the committee doesn't look at what you did in your conference regular season, but it still would mean that they've done something. How do they not fight their way up to a one seed? And that, to me, that's a pretty good under the radar that if I think they're a, their resume might suggest they're at the very worst a two seed and maybe you could make an argument for a one and they're a three. Does anybody want to play them? Elite point guard in Tremont right. Waters. I mean, you've got a lot of talent on that team. you got a lot of talent on that team. And, and people, that well, you're talking about a top whatever team, top ten team under the rate. But nobody in that league, it's Kentucky and Tennessee and Tennessee and Kentucky. And I'll just invite you, go look at LSU. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's a good call. And that's what I'm talking about here. I wasn't necessarily saying they had yeah, to be yeah. like eight seed no, no, Cinderella right, stories, right. but just teams that weren't in that sort of top right. five group that we talked about a bunch this year. Um, and LSU is a team that I don't think has gotten a lot of love. So my next team is a little bit more of a, a sleeper. And I, I think people will call me a homer for this pick. Uh, but I'm not really like obsessed with the Big East or anything. I, I know. People seem to think, like, because I cover Xavier that there's this weird conference affiliation. I really don't care. Um, but I do think Villanova is a team that has a chance to make a run. Because they've had slip-ups along the way. They had slip-ups early, and then they had a few slip-ups together in the Big East tournament that were bunched closely together. Big East season, you mean? Our yeah, Big, Big East, East yeah. conference yeah. Yeah, season. That people people have been really down on them, and I think exaggerated um, how bad they've been playing. They, they're inconsistent. They're not as athletic, so they struggle to match up as well as they did in the past defensively. I mean, when you had guys like Mikael Bridges and you had Jalen Brunson, you had NBA guys at positions. You matched up defensively Dude, a lot you better. you at times had at least four scorer shooters on the floor, and you could occasionally put five. But but they still have shooters. They do. Defensively, they right. had NBA talents last year and well, the last few years. And that meant they could guard you. Um, this year, they struggle a little bit on the defensive end in ways they haven't in the past. But they still have guys like Eric Paschal, Phil Booth, who have been... Phil Booth's been there for 13 years. They've won national titles. Like, they know how this is done. They know what a run is like. They're uber-confident on neutral sites in the tournament. I don't A team that jacks a bunch of threes the way they do, they shoot over 60% of their shots from beyond the arc. And they're probably what right now? A six seed? They're a seven? Yeah, yeah, they are the second six seed okay. right now by right. bracket yeah. matrix, right above your Nevada pick. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to play them. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you're if you're getting them in the second round, I don't think you're happy because no. it's a team that knows how to win those types of games, that shoot a ton of threes, and that still have a system that is very disciplined. And when it's operating at its best, it's very difficult to beat. Is there a Loyola out there this year, or was that just an outlier? Um, I mean, I, I think I think there could be. I don't know who that would be yet, but I mean, I really like Buffalo. I don't know if they. I be do in, too, but I don't I think, know they'd be in that category because I think they're better than that. Obviously, yeah, I, they're they're probably what are they a six? They're probably six or five. Yeah, they're the last six seed right okay, now. Right. So I mean, yeah, again, they're they're obviously a much better team than Loyola. Uh, was and they're getting that type of respect, but I think if you're looking for a mid-major conference team, no they're the one I really like to make a run. No doubt, I, I would agree with that too. Those are those are good picks. I like that. Yeah, maybe maybe Belmont could be the the team because they're maybe probably I haven't be seen like 12. them enough, but they're 25 and four. They're really good. Yeah, they're probably going to be around a 12 yeah. seed. So yeah, all right. Skinny, it's looking like Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray could be the leader. Oh, in the wait, club. Wait, I missed the team. Obviously, I missed the obvious team. Who's that? Indiana. My bad. Go ahead. Next, I wouldn't want to play them <laughs> with all the six quadrant one wins. Yep, beat Michigan State twice. I just don't you want to play box. them? I'm sorry, Lord. You want to play them? Lord, I apologize. Okay, go ahead. It's looking like Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray could be the leader in the clubhouse to get drafted number one overall by the Arizona Cardinals. According to NFL Network's Kimberly Jones on Saturday, those around the league strongly believe Murray is destined to be a Cardinal. Quote, in terms of Murray, people are beginning to believe almost universally he will indeed be the number one pick in this draft by the Arizona Cardinals. In fact, teams picking in the top ten believe they'll have no chance of drafting Murray. He's not the biggest quarterback in the world, but he's a very big presence at this combine. Skinny, do you buy Kyler Murray as the number one pick in the NFL draft, especially for a team that just drafted Josh Rosen 10th overall in last year's draft. I do. Now, there was a report today, the day that we are doing this podcast, that he was terrible on the whiteboard, that people question his leadership skills. Now the questions start to come about. The one thing you don't question now is, is he too small, even though 5'10 and an 8th is probably smallish by it is smallish by quarterback standards, but at least he didn't measure 5'8 and 3 quarters, and then you really have questions. Is that the first 
especially athlete, Eighth? but maybe man of all time to be under six foot and list himself a full inch shorter than he was. I know that's a good point. He was listed at five nine. Yeah, that's a good call. Measured in over five ten. Usually, unless he made, did he put lifts in his shoes or some kind. So is there a conspiracy there that we need well, to look at? I think at? they measure him without shoes, right? Yeah, they, that's a good point. They do. He measured over a full inch to what he was listed at. Well, maybe he's got something going on there. Since when? Maybe he went with a stretch out machine. When is that a thing? I know it's usually <laughs> usually, usually a Kyler Murray. Would be listed at six, six foot, foot, right? And he's five nine. I know, correct? Um, you know, the questions are starting to come out about leadership, and, and, and again, these are not my questions. This is some. These are people that are evaluating the, the guy. There are obviously are constant smoke screens when the draft comes, right? Everybody's a liar. Everybody's a liar. The players a liar. The teams are liars. Hell, sometimes the analysts are liars because they're talking to somebody who they want to be friends with and they want to help them out by spreading more lies. But I do think Cliff Kingsbury wants a quarterback like this in a league where he wants to go five wide receivers, spread you out, not max protect. You better have somebody that can move, man. You better have somebody that can juke and jive and get out of there. The other part to it is, is you can get Josh Rosen. I know every time they're going to trade him, they'd have to eat so much cap in all likelihood that they're not going to deal him. He can be a bridge guy for a year, maybe into a second year where he's a backup. And then by that time, you hang around and go, well, hell, he's only got one more year on his deal. Let's just let's just amortize that last deal and we can get rid of him now or just suck it up and now he's our backup. I mean, you've got him. You've got, you've got him. And if you don't think he's the guy moving forward, I think it's hard to judge because they were so bad. He wasn't great. I think he threw 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. For a rookie quarterback on a bad team, that honestly isn't awful. They were three and thirteen. They weren't three and thirteen because Josh Rosen sucked. Right. They were three and thirteen because they were just a bad yeah, team. They have bad plenty roster. of other issues. Yeah, That's the problem. It's a, it's a bad roster. But I do buy into the fact that Kyler Murray could be the number one pick. I buy that completely. I like the idea if you're a coaching staff, if you're a front office, if you're a GM, whatever the case, whoever's making those decisions in the NFL for a team. If you have a system you believe in, or even if you don't have a system you believe in, that's probably a problem. That but, is a problem. Uh, whatever you're going to run, if you have a quarterback, because the quarterback is the most important position in all of sports, if you have a quarterback that you believe is the guy that can run whatever you want to do. With he's a going, new coach. He's going to fit. And yeah, it, well, and I think bringing in a new coach here in this this specific situation with Josh Rosen being there is really the only way... This is the only time you can bring in a quarterback and have this this competition right. and still think that Josh Rosen has a chance to do anything in his career. Because if you wait a year, if you say right now Josh Rosen is our quarterback, we're good with him. And you don't and, believe it. And then next year you draft a guy, well now Josh Rosen has no confidence. Correct. And he and he doesn't he doesn't believe in the coaching staff, whatever. But if you tell him ahead of time, like Cliff Kingsbury just comes in and says, You weren't my guy. I didn't. Take, You're my bridge. You know, You're my yeah. bridge, dude. Well, well, he doesn't have to say that. He says, "I'm going to come in. I'm going to get. I'm going to draft a quarterback because I want a competition, and I'm going to let you guys play it out and practice and see how it goes." I think you can sell that a yeah. little bit, to Josh Rosen. You can keep Josh Rosen competitive in that situation. But I do think if you think Kyler Murray is the right guy, you think he's special. You think he's Baker Mayfield. You it, think it he's Russell what Wilson. You're doing. Even being shorter and even not having the measurables, if you think he fits your air raid offense that you want to run Cliff Kingsbury and you think he's, despite being undersized, is special like a Russell Wilson or like a Baker Mayfield, go all in on him. I'm all in on that. Even if it doesn't make sense financially, whatever. The only My only concern for the Cardinals is you've got a lot of holes still. You're you going to put behind a terrible offensive line, and I don't know how well that works out for an undersized quarterback. Well, and maybe if you're going to drop back and throw it 50 times like you like the air raids do, maybe you need two quarterbacks. You might. <laughs> well, especially if he's small and uh, 200 pounds. That's a good know? point. That's a good uh, point. But, but yeah, I could see him going number one. I, I don't too. think it necessarily is a bad idea, but I'll be interested to see how it works out for sure because any time a guy has that one big year in college, you got to be a little skeptical. No doubt. No doubt. And it's not his fault that Baker Mayfield again, was in front of him. Now the questions are coming out too, though, right? Now, yeah. oh, not so good on the board. Not a good leader. I, again, some of that could be absolute nonsensical he's, nonsense. He's also a black quarterback, so you have to factor in any of those types of things right. with who's just being racist yeah, because correct. that happens every no, time that's, that's a black quarterback. That's so. fair. Skinny NBA commissioner Adam Silver was a guest panelist at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston this year. And while there, he spoke candidly about a variety of topics, including the issue of anxiety in the NBA, going as far to say that he believes many NBA players are happy due to are unhappy, unhappy right. due to social media. Quote, we are living in a time of anxiety, Silver said. I think it's a direct result of social media. A lot of players are unhappy. Do you think there's something to this? 
Is this another example of, of our society becoming way too soft? Or is Adam Silver just reaching here while trying to look PC and sympathetic towards mental health issues, which is always going to play well in 2019? Dude, I think it is a real thing because on social media, look, th- those guys are young guys. What, 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 what do they look at all the time? What are they looking at? Right? They're on their phones yep. constantly. They're still looking at their mentions on Twitter because they have big brands. I mean, th- most NBA players probably have what? 300,000 followers on Twitter and most oh, at, of the, oh, at least and and the stars have obviously in the millions, millions yeah okay and now these fans on a night when you've had a bad night can reach out and slam you and you being a human being read that and you can scoff and go hey, I'm making money I, I think it's real I I, I, I do I for me, I would almost say, fellas, I get what you are. I get your generation. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter more than I should be. I, I, I re, I, but I've gone to the point where I, I just block a lot of the noise out because I'm at an age where, honestly, whatever you think of me is what you think of me, and I can <laughs> move on to the next day, and I'm just fine with it. In my 20s, I wouldn't have been that way. I would have tried to fight back. I would have tried to think, no, you don't know. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know why I said this anymore. I don't, I don't care. My suggestion, a lot of these guys is turn the damn thing off, dude. Just get off of it. I get you're trying to build a brand. Hell, you built a brand without even being on there. You built a brand because of who you are, probably not because of your Twitter activity. And some guys are more active than others. And some guys are probably funnier than others. And some guys are snarkier than others. But I think for some of it, I think you read that as a human being, some of it probably does get under their skin. I I, I think he's being real here. I, 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 I believe that you probably disagree, but I totally believe that. No, I, I think there's certainly something to it. Like, I don't think they're making this up. And I think, I mean, just listen to all the drama in the NBA and right. the quotes that these players give. I mean, they're very well, upfront the about it. They like being moody. They like knowing, they like you knowing that they're upset. Yeah, but I, I think some of it, unfortunately, gets directed at mainstream media a lot of times that they think it's you doing the reporting on them making things negative. And they, no, a lot of times it's not. It maybe used to be that way. Maybe it used to be the way because it was the only way you'd look at it. Right. Now it's the fact that these fans are reaching directly out to you telling you, you suck you went two for 13 and you're making that kind of money you suck yeah you piece of whatever and then you come back at them and it, then it's game on at that point you just go down the rabbit hole man yeah it used to be one columnist in a city who right. was a little too much of a hardo Correct. and maybe but he had some decorum right i mean he wasn't going to go off the rails or say anything or he was at least accountable but, to be there the next day and right and he, go listen you blank blanker let's go at it he, I, you know he, knew we'll he had to be out. in the locker room right. and see you so he was gonna but he had some decorum but these people online there's none, none. and there's no limit to how many of them there are, especially when you're talking about superstars. So I think that's part of it. I also think, I mean, there's all types of studies, and I, I'm not smart enough to get too deep into all this stuff, but about our society and just the way the isolation you're is. You're smart enough to know that Indiana shouldn't even be on the bubble, but go ahead. That's true. Uh, but the the isolation of just being on our phones all the times and being on social media nonstop and wanting to share all those things online instead of just experiencing it in real time and, and with the people we're with, uh, I do think that may be the biggest part of this because I think there's a lot of chemistry issues with NBA teams. I think the teams with good chemistry, you see what it does for them. You see how how like how important that can be uh, to be together and be on the same page. But you see how many other teams like the Boston Celtics who have all the talent, but just. They're a disaster. Or the Lakers right now, not that they have all the talent. We knew they were going to struggle a little bit. But them just completely imploding because there's no chemistry and they're not playing for each other and they're all mad at each other and they're all divas. I I think, now look, these, (laughs) I don't want to be like this generation guy, but the whole like, it's so hard to be a, a player in the social media era because people can get at you and tell you you stink. That may suck and that may be hard to be put up with, but... Come on. For the life you're given, for the job you have, for the money you make, there's no one that's not going to take that trade-off. No, so that is pushing it a little bit too far, but I do think there's something to it, and I definitely think the chemistry issues some of these teams are seeing is a direct result of these guys don't really bond, and it's really easy to just be quiet, sit to yourself on the plane after a game, and sneak diss each other over Instagram comments. No, right. And... and that's where I would say, honestly, if, if I was Adam Silver, my, my message to the players would be, get off of it. Get off your phone. Get off of it on a constant basis. Just, look, don't, don't, don't go to that route. Just stop going that route. Because you're right, I think it does lead to a lot of those things. And, and it's easy for them to start a war on Twitter with a teammate that they don't even know how they started it and how it got started and gets back to them. And suddenly, you haven't talked it out. You've hashed it out on Twitter. Or you've hashed it out on Instagram. Right. And, I mean, there just is the fact that there is no doubt about it that the younger generations are more emotional and more like having 
it out there and like it's not necessarily a bad thing that we've encouraged guys to share their feelings and stuff and not uh, have these gender stereotypes anymore so like this generation is more emotional in public well, I mean, they just are and for a lot of the guys though as, as you're coming through the high school one and done even college ranks however far you go everybody's telling you how great you are up until that point. And then suddenly it gets real because you're a professional, and now the fan base gets at you. Most college fan bases aren't going at you. They'll go at you, go at a kid if he chooses school A over school B, and usually that kid can get over it because he's gone to school A as opposed to school B and puts school B behind him. But now when you're a professional, man, it's completely different. I I would just – my suggestion would be, dude, just just don't even look at your mentions. What's the what, – what, what, what purpose does it serve? Yeah. But but I mean even if you even if you don't look at the mentions I think this does go beyond that because it's you can't get off of social media entirely in 2019 without being like disconnected. I mean just not a human right. essentially. No, I mean it's right, kind yeah. of what you do. So I don't think you necessarily it has to always be like negative interactions with fans on social media. I think there are some negative aspects of this just being on our phones all the time probably Yo, yeah. that are impacting some of these yeah, guys. I, yeah. But um at the same time I'm not really here for the whining about how hard it is to be a player in this era either. I think that goes over the top the other way. No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, first-class travel, first-class accommodations. <laughs> yeah, chartered jets everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pretty on. good piece of change Yeah, yeah, to play a game. Skinny, it's time. Oh, no. 83-year-old Emily Sparks. Ghost? Who just so happens to be a psychic medium. Because, shockingly, shockingly, a psychic medium has a wild ghost experience. Of I know course. that's hard of to course. believe. But Emily Sparks. Emily, again, she's 83. She's just been driven out of her home by an abusive ghost named Joyce, who Emily claims died in the flat before she moved in. Joyce has supposedly been spotted multiple times by not only Emily, but also her neighbors who live in a sheltered housing complex with her. I'll bet they do. Joyce has allegedly ripped hair out of Emily's head in the middle of the night. Does, Take- she, have, does she have samples? Yes, she's taken pictures of it. Take, put them in a, a clear plastic bag. Uh, Shown her neighbors. Taking things from Emily and her neighbors, including neighbor Pat. Quote, this is uh, from Emily. She says, talking about Pat. She Pat, says, a male or a female? Neighbor Pat. Oh, it's probably sort of the ambiguous situation like you had back on the Saturday Night Live. Yeah, exactly. It's That's just Pat. That's what I'm wondering. Go ahead. Yeah. She, uh, quote, she's had things like her hearing aid taken from her flat, but when she asks her to bring it back, she does. So Pat's never really had any aggravation from her, Emily said. <laughs> Emily recently paid to stay two nights at a travel lodge because things had gotten so bad with Joyce, the ghost, hitting her ear and ripping her hair out. Joyce lives in the travel lodge now. However, it proved unsuccessful because Joyce is now attached to her, she claims, and followed her to the travel lodge. So, Skinny, I ask you, do you believe that ghosts can travel with you? And if so, what is the play here for Emily what does she do? I was I this part bothers me because I always felt that like ghosts were attached to places they haunted places where like yes. they died or they yes. lived or whatever no so what ghosts can just attach to you and travel can, all over the country with you and like get on a plane with you or or ride your car with you to the the travel lodge and now haunt the travel lodge well can, can we can we do something here just to, just maybe to to prove that the ghost is real since she's got lockets of hair can we do some dna probably isn't really hard if she's got lockets of her hair do ghosts leave the, dna uh i would assume so if you have real hair right if you've got real hair well, Didn't she take snippets of hair? Well, she's ripping hair out of the real woman, but I don't know if the ghost leaves uh, her maybe, DNA okay. behind on that hair. I would think it's she not the ghost hair. Think she might. I'm going to say this, and this is going to be awful because hopefully one day I'm 83 years old. Can, I, I I do hope that one day I'm 83 years. Can old. you track the DNA of a ghost? Is another good question. The crap I might see in my mind at age 83, you have no idea where that's going to go. I will see a lot of things at 83. I mean, Chief, right now you can't even. Under, you you think college basketball has been on a five year downward spiral and it continues to get worse? Correct. Over the eye I'm, test, I'm, I'm seeing the I'm you're seeing, already seeing I'm seeing the ghosts of John Wooden, man. Yeah. I, I I am, um, or Bob Knight maybe. I, I think this is just 83 year old woman who's just God love her. Things just go bump in the night. They just do. What about the neighbors? Neighbors see it too. Hang on, neighbors live in what'd you say they live in? A housing <laughs> sheltered complex? housing Shel- complex. Well, that, that that I think those are three key words right there. Sheltered housing complex. I think that kind of sums that whole story up. Um, can ghosts travel with you? I, I I guess they can. I again, I've still not seen one. I yeah, I have very. Well, wait, I thought you. No, you haven't seen it. I haven't I'm seen sorry. one. I told you. I still am trying to figure out how the light was yeah. turned on in my back. That's yeah. the one thing that's got me right now. I. I just I'm bothered by the idea that ghosts can get in a plane or in a car with us. How does that work? 
<laughs> Especially if you can't even seal. Well, well, I guess they can, right? Yeah, that just seems problematic to me. I'm not... That worries me a bit. That the ghost can travel? Yeah. I, I thought that I was would, stuck. I would think the ghost would like something more than Travel Lodge. Wouldn't I mean like Hilton or yeah. Marriott or well, JW Marriott? I would have thought I ain't travel. I, I'm the ghost. I'm looking, dude. dude checking in no Travel Lodge. We're going to JW. If this is anything like the they got Travel free Lodge in Newport, they got free breakfast. If this is anything like the old Travel Lodge in Newport, that's, an hour, that's by down, the hour, bro. I, I would. I, I believe wasn't that a by the hour spot? Yeah. I would be, I would think it's probably a good idea to go there to try to get away from something that's haunting you or you know really anything aside from drugs and AIDS. I, I think you can catch them there. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I think it was a good play, but apparently it didn't work because now the ghost is haunting her at the travel lodge. I don't know what you what do you do if you're Emily right now? You got a ghost that's now just traveling with you. I call a psychiatrist and say, "Listen, dude, you got to help me here. I'm seeing ghosts and stuff. What, what what can you do for me, Doctor Phil? She should go on Doctor Phil. I think you got to make friends with the ghost at that point. If it's decided it's going to travel but, with but the you, the ghost is ripping your hair out, man. But what if what if that's what if it's Here's because you're thing. not communicating and you're not doing what it Here's needs? Maybe it just wants you to go out and like get it and. Uh, dime bag maybe, to smoke. Maybe Emily had an affair with Joyce's husband. That's why Joyce is so angry, and she's going to stalk her for the rest of her life. I don't, well, I think that would be no diff- matter where she is. That's why she's ripping hair out. Mm. That's why she's in the travel lodge. Maybe that's where Emily and an ex husband hooked up in the I, travel lodge. I think she, she wants to be there. I think Emily would have known about that backstory beforehand. I'm not buying it, but I, I think you 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 have to make friends with the ghost at this point. If you're if you're gonna be crazy enough to be like I see ghosts, which I'm not saying ghosts aren't real, but if no, you're gonna be I, the I ghost person who sees ghosts and you're a psychic medium and you want to be a psychic medium, you have to make friends with the ghost if it's gonna travel with you. Yeah, I would say that you don't want an angry traveling companion. That's not fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've seen people get engaged and marry ghosts at this point, so there's no reason you can't befriend this ghost correct. and be like, correct. All right, we're in this together now, man. Pour up, pour a little sherry. She, I, I got a feeling Emily drinks sherry. Don't you think Emily? Yeah, drink, Emily's a sherry so. drinker. Or old nice, fashions, maybe. Yeah, old, fa- old fashions. That's a good call. Yeah. Make an old fashioned for the ghost and yourself, and sit down and hash this out. That's what I, I think. It's the only option. I think it is the only option. But I would, I would give her better accommodations. I would say, listen, we're going to upgrade for one night. We're going to hash this out in a nice place. I'm getting a suite at the Marriott, at the JW Marriott. Plus, we've heard, as we've discovered on this podcast already earlier in the year, a lot of good ghost fornicators may be your Emily, your 85, you're probably not 83, you're probably not looking like you once did anymore and now that you're at the sheltered housing complex. Good for 83. Well, maybe Joyce could hook her up with a little uh little loving. friendly ghost loving. Maybe. there we go. Bring Casper and the crew over for a little Bachelorette Ghost Edition. It's a win-win for sure. All right. All right. When we're back next week, we'll be a, a, a step closer to seeing who's on the bubble and who's not. I'll still be continuing a, to tell you that decent Indiana bubble. is garbage. That's fine, but they'll they'll be outside of a decent bubble then. <laughs> much, much more. Pretty deep one. For Rick Broering, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us as always. It's the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. <laughs>